Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to Fintech Brews and News, brought to you by Central Payments and Falls Fintech. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. Founders, co-founders, payments professionals, and, well, just people who love brews. This is a place to get a behind-the-scenes look at unique partnerships and ways to bridge the financial gap between banking, startups, and the entire fintech industry. Whether it's a beer or coffee or something else, there's certain to be a brew in every episode. After all, how do we function in this space without it? Each episode, you're sure to take away some good stuff going on in the financial technology space. So without further ado, let's grab a brew. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to episode four of Fintech Brews and News. I'm Trent Sorby. And I'm Nikki Rohde. We're really excited to have you back with us today. This is a very special episode for us. Today, we're going to spend time talking to the five fantastic companies that make up cohort four of Falls Fintech. Uh, I think it's a great time, Nikki, to kind of share with the group what you're seeing in this group and, and compare it against maybe what mm. you've seen in past cohorts. Oh yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, it's so cool what has happened. Actually, I reflected the other day that cohort four, this makes our full second year of doing Falls FinTech. And I just can't believe the time has flown by so quickly. So as we were receiving applications for this cohort, what we started to recognize is people are just a bit farther along. Uh, we've always promoted Falls FinTech to be what we would call at or near minimum viable product. But I would say now these guys are certainly at minimum viable product, um, if not past that. Um, some are in other markets already. Uh, we have an international reach that's bigger than ever. So this cohort, uh, there's a company that's live in India, uh, expanding to the United States. Uh, there's a company here from Moscow, and that's been really cool to experience kind of, um, you know, who they are and what they plan to do here in the United States. And then of course the local folks, um, more reach than we've ever had before. So it's been really fantastic. One of the things I've noticed in my short time with the group, um, I've had a couple of them tell me that in some ways, um, the pandemic actually helped them because they were able to stay really focused on what they were doing when the world was effectively shut down for what felt like forever, but let's just say a year, it allowed these startups to really hone in, focus, build product, build concept um, during a time when, frankly, there, there wasn't much opportunity to be distracted. Yeah, that's right. And as I think also about prior cohorts, um, big, huge shout out to the central payments team for taking the Falls FinTech cohorts and really adapting some of our processes around them. Um, we have three companies that are alumni of Falls FinTech that are now in market or right on the brink of in market and an additional six that are on deck for implementation, which is really fantastic. Statistically, um, it's really been remarkable to watch them unfold and grow and now have a payments bank as their partner supporting them in their initiatives. Yeah, it's 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 really exciting. It's, it's added a lot of excitement at Central Payments mm. um, to have these companies you know, come out of false fintech with all that momentum and just really focus on their market launch. So uh, kudos to you, kudos mm. to the team like always. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Up next is Evan from Kitty Credit. Hey everybody, we are here with Evan Leaphart, founder and CEO of Kitty Credit. So glad you're here, my friend. Super happy to be here. Yeah. Welcome to Sioux Falls. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, straight out of Miami into Sioux Falls. Flights were good. Flights was good. Yay. Um, so we're going to start really casual here and just talk a little bit about you. Our audience is, of course, going to want to know a little bit about yourself and what prompted you to start Kitty Credit. So let's start there. Sure. So uh, Evan Leapart, founder and CEO of Kitty Credit. 
Uh, Kitty Credit and Shorts, a chore tracking app to teach kids about credit, where the premise is the better a kid does their chores, the better their credit score. Um, you know, a little bit about me. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I am not a part of the NFC North rivalry. Oh, I am a Steelers Steeler. fan. I, I, I stay in my lane there, and, and I can tell you first, <laughs> second, and third string players. Um, I moved to Maryland when I was about seven or eight years old, so I didn't cross over to being a Ravens fan. Um, grew up in a city called Columbia, not too far from Baltimore, mm -hmm. kind of in between Baltimore and D.C. Mm -hmm. And then um, I moved to Miami in 2004 and just decided to stay. That's home. Yeah. So I think, did not convert to a Dolphins fan. No. no. Okay, we're going to stay That's actually that. quite easy. Um, <laughs> so I think one of the things that we love to tell is the founder story. So you know, you're in Miami now. What, what created your interest in, in, in Kitty Credit? And tell me a little bit about you know, what, what really drives you from a founder perspective. Yeah, I, I, when I turned 18, I got a credit card right away. Not because I was like, oh, I'm gonna get a credit card. Something came to me and was like, you could apply here and here's a $5,000 credit limit. So in my mind, that's $5,000. So you spend all of that immediately. And then, you know, come to find out you end up paying about $20,000 back or, you know, whatever the final mm -hmm. figure is. But it was like, you know, I, I messed up my credit early and I did it because of things that like partially was just my own stupidity, but like part of it was like, I, I had no idea like what this credit score was or anything like that. And I've always been an entrepreneur, right? Like even before at 18 years old, you know, I, I had lemonade stand, you know, built a computer from scratch so I could burn CDs and sell them to my friends. And it was like, what can, you know, as I tried to get these businesses and get loans, lines of credit, my credit score was always a hindrance. Mm -hmm. so I was like, man, like, how do we change this? Like, how do you understand this? Like, like you, we teach math, but we teach nothing necessarily about the world of finance and in particular credit. Like, you know, right. there, there could be a lot more entrepreneurs if they had access to capital and, and credit's like one of the biggest barriers to that. So it was like, just started going down a rabbit hole of thought. I think I was, I had some sales job at the time and I was like, man, like chores. Like, what if you, like the better you did your chores, the better your credit scores. That was the thought process, but I knew nothing about building an app in 2010, 2011, whenever the, the initial thought process came to be. And uh, so it just stayed in my mind, but I, I owned the domain name for years. I'm always that, like I come up with an idea, if I grab Go the domain, Daddy, yeah, I'm like, yep. one day. <laughs> so like, you know, now's the day, which is cool. But yeah, that was, that was really, it was just that simple. It was like, let's just try to change this because it just seems incorrect. Mm -hmm. So what's, What's the user experience? Talk a little bit about the the child's experience at Kitty Credit. Mm -hmm. walk, walk us through sort of how the parents and the child work together to, to try to help understand the importance of a credit score. Yeah, so I would say the discovery starts from the parent side initially, right? Like the one thing we've, we've said when we tell people about what they're doing, what we're doing is they say, man, where was this when I was a kid, mm. right? So like the pain point exists with the parent first and then kind of wanting to pass it down, but we need it to actually resonate with the child for it to, for that entire loop to work. Um, so the parent comes in, they sign up, they set up their kids and then they kind of have their chores that they can set up if they don't have any that they already have. Then we kind of have that based off of the data ad aggregate saying like these are like the most populated chores and these are the most populated rewards. So you set forth the chores, you set forth the rewards. And then once that's done, like the parent side is set up. And then on the kid side, you know, we've designed it so that it can be used on multiple phones or it can be used on one phone, right? Like we can't assume that there's multiple devices in the household, especially with the, the demographic that we're trying to reach. So the kid comes in and then they see the chores that they have set forth for them. And then they see the rewards that they're able to get. So they can either, they can like, oh, okay, I can get this reward and it could be monetary or non-monetary, depends on the parent. Again, only 40% of parents pay allowance. I was in that 60% that didn't. Mm. So, um, you know, the kids will basically be able to see what they're eligible for. So right now it's very bare bones, version of where we intend for it to be. It's why we're in programs like this. That's right. So when you talked about the demographics, what specifically are the demographics that you're targeting? So right now it's intended for kids ages four to 12. So okay. families with kids ages four to 12. Yeah. Anything else geographically, inner city, outside cities? We, we intend for it to be for all families, yep. right? Like, but in terms of where we, like we see this as a tool that can address the wealth gap 
right? Like, but uh, starting it before, right? So when we look at that, who that's most affected, like you know, minority households, the the average net worth is, you know, the difference is vast, and we just kind of use that as a, as a shock and awe statistic, but a big component of net worth and, and just asset building is home ownership. And the biggest barrier to that, nine times out of 10 is your credit score. So, um, you know, it's it's directly intended for the audience, but in, in, indirectly just intended for all families to just get a, a leg up on financial education. That's what's been so fun about this is watching people that have passions at different stages of life kind of bring it full circle. And we were excited about Kitty Credit specifically for that this early, early, early on. Um, but you've talked about kids safe, COPA compliance, all the things. So you've already dug into how to do it super responsibly, which is which is inspiring. So it's interesting you. too. Like almost every founder experience starts with an experience that they themselves were challenged with, that then creates an idea. And I think this is a great example of that. So I follow you on LinkedIn. Um, I know you're really involved in the startup scene in Miami. Um, Talk us through what's that scene like down there, and then how, how in the world did you hear about Falls FinTech, and now you're in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Yeah, so Miami is, I was, in tech, you know that like Miami just in the past year, you know, through the lens of our mayor and a couple other like deeply, deeply uh, big advocates of Miami have really just pushed us forward. Um, so I mean, it's been an exciting time to be there. You know, we were, you rewind about two, three years, People would say, oh, no, like, if you really want to do this business and you're trying to get in the world of tech, you got to get out of Miami. Go to Atlanta. Go to Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like, for it to kind of have turned the tables a bit, it's cool. Because now, when people are coming to Miami, there's a short list of people say, well, I'm, I'm new to Miami. Who should we connect to? So, kind of being that short list of folks has been incredibly helpful, humbling, and just cool, like, all at one time. Mm -hmm. um, how did I find out about Falls FinTech, um, I won a pitch competition that Discover Bank sponsored mm -hmm. called the FinHealth Prize. And they've been amazing. And they're like, I think you should apply to this Falls FinTech. And I was like, are you sure? Like, you know, this is what we're, and it's like, I'm, I'm telling you, you, do, <laughs> you know, you need <laughs> to apply. And, and honestly, as I, um, you know, I, I try to do my homework on anything that I'm, I'm going to be a part of. And just the, like the level of praise that, that came for you, Trent, that came for you, Nikki, from like people I've spoken to. So, you know, Donald and and a buddy of mine runs a company, Home Lending Pal. Like they were all just really like, man, my experience in dealing with Nikki and Trent and Luke and Heather has been amazing. So I kind of made it a no brainer. Um, and then when I tell people, be in South Dakota for a couple weeks, like, why are you, why are you going to South Where? Dakota? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? And, uh, and then the more I started doing research on Sioux Falls, I just realized it's like the credit card processing hub of the country. Like I had no idea. I used to see it on the, the, the top left corner of, yep. of you know, your, your credit card statements. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't, I was like, this makes sense now. Got it. So I'm well, look, super we're, happy to be here. We are yeah. so excited to have you here and uh, we're excited to dig into Kitty Credit and, and really help you get going. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate this for real. Pleasure, here we go. Thanks buddy. Let's do this. All right, so I'm so excited to be here with the folks from Greedy. Uh, Max, Vicky, welcome to Sioux Falls. We're so excited to have you here, have you part of Falls FinTech. Um, what a wonderful experience here. Thanks for having us. We're pretty excited as well. Thank yeah. you. Welcome, welcome. Um, one of the first things we always like to do in this setting is just kick off with, first of all, what is Greedy? What are you guys working on? Um, and what inspired the idea? Okay, so Greedy is a prepaid gift card. and um, the idea behind it was um, gift card business is a pretty big um, business, especially here in the U.S. And uh, we, we wanted, with our product, we wanted to make it fun, right? So um, think about the last time when you um, uh, late for somebody's birthday, you have no idea what you want to give as a birthday. And usually what do you do? Okay, you end up just getting a, um, a gift card, right? And um, our idea was to, the problem with the gift card or just giving cash to someone um, takes out the whole fun or personal uh, um, feeling to it, right? So um, what we wanted with our product, we wanted to uh, make it personal, make it fun for a person who's getting it. And um, um, yeah, so it's um, a virtual prepaid payment gift card. So, And there's such a component in it that, um, 
is similar to other social media bits where there's filters and there's personalization and stuff like that. So Vicki, you've often talked about this area of that expanding on the fun part is how did that come to life? What's the AI that's gonna yeah, so uh, I'm a big fan of emotions and I'm a big fan of uh, fancy things. So we try to um, make this giving or presenting in a bit uh, a modern and uh, fancy way. So we added an uh, element of video greetings, uh, video messaging, and added up with fil uh, filters and fun um, stories. And we make a script f for you the person who gives a present to to feel good and and feel uh, fancy and do this virtual hugging in a very fancy way. Absolutely. Um, we have an element of um, AI, and it actually as, um, comes through our product in different ways. Uh, we have AI screening for the card images. We have special card images for. Um, uh, gift cards and we also do a lot of creative creativity and creative work for uh, video messaging piece what's the how did the two of you meet walk us through the background of greedy and how greedy you know has, has is where it is today okay sure um, well actually greedy is my first fintech startup I uh, did a few startups before they were actually in the boring real estate development <laughs> uh, business and it was um, I just used to build hotels across Europe and uh, actually was in Russia as well at some point, um, uh, making a few you know, projects happen there. And um, um, me and, and um, <laughs> yes, and that's, that's, that's where we actually met. And uh, I, um, it's, uh, we are three co-founders and um, we um, started uh, the first project of our company was um, in uh, fintech, but uh, B2, B2B. So basically, our solution is for the banks, uh, for personalizing uh, cards, any cards uh, which you issue, uh, you have to run through a screening, and our screening is instant and um, uh, uses that AI technology that which will later develop further and to uh, use in our um, B2C uh, product, which is greedy. So basically the backbone of it was, it's just at some point we realized that uh, we wanted to, um, there's great potential for B2C. We wanted mm -hmm. to do um, gift cards um, and uh, well, I met Vicky. Vicky used to work uh, for a long time with Visa and so, so she, she so has So did this. a boring payments business actually. <laughs> right, but so uh, that's how we... <laughs> yeah, but decided to add some humanity to payments. Mm -hmm. That's why we um, combined the payment card with the video element. You have some early response from your users, right? You you have an, a sense. You, you are not starting from card zero. You have, you've been testing this now. What's been the response in your testing? Yeah, um, we tested and we had a very good response from, um, from the users. We have early subscribers already, although we are not far away with the app actually. Mm -hmm. And the people are people everywhere. They like it. They like the idea and they want to use this product. That's mm -hmm. our thought at least. So we will, uh, once we launch and we will have the proof of this concept, I think it's gonna rocket skyrocketing soon. Yeah. We talked yesterday about some of the goals for Greedy. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that you hope to get out of Falls FinTech? Well, for us, it's very important to have um, a strategic partner on board mm -hmm. um, who will help us along the way. And I think this is ideal for you um, because you guys are in the prepaid cards uh, industry. You've been here a while, you know exactly how it works oh. on the technical sides. And um, actually being um, in this um, accelerator will help us to tackle all the other issues as well. Like how do we market um, US? Obviously US market is the most important for us. It's the biggest one. And I think if we make it right here, we can then um, expand in Europe and other countries. So I'm really excited about it. And I'm sure you will, um, we'll have a great partnership um, here. Absolutely. So, and I'm absolutely amazed with the speed. So um, hopefully we will get, in 12 weeks, we will get the product. And it's a big deal, actually. Yeah. So both of you uh, have come uh, from a long way to be part of False Fintech. Mm -hmm. um, you've talked about your, your US launch. Where else do you want to take Greedy? Um, outside of the US, well, um, North American market, obviously Canada, US. Um, then we think that there is a great potential uh, in Europe. Um, 
Well, I think now uh, it doesn't really have any borders. So I think um, if the product uh, works with the clients and um, they like it, I think uh, we can pretty much launch it anywhere. We will have uh, to have strategic partners in uh, probably each market um, because it's, you know, banking, yeah. it's all the regulatory issues. But um, besides that, I think um, this harsh pandemic times proved that um, uh, virtual cards actually work Absolutely. and a lot of people opt out for um, virtual cards and actually don't even need plastic anymore. And I think with gift cards, that is in the same, there's the same uh, trend going uh, plasticless, right? So and this is... Well, and you guys are not done expanding ideas. We talked a lot about this in just a couple days. That you, which I really appreciate. You're honing in on your MVP. That's the mm -hmm. point of launch. But the ideas that will tap onto um, just a virtual gift card that will present itself with a fun, you know, as Vicky says, the fancy way of delivering it is yep. not the end of greedy. There's so many more components oh. that you guys are dreaming oh, yeah. about, and this is going to expand very rapidly. For sure. I think we want to, the most important thing is to concentrate on, uh, uh, I think, the most important uh, um, uh, part of the product. And I think once this works out, uh, customers understand exactly what Greedy stands for. And then there's so many things you can add uh, to it and then make it even more fun. Uh, obviously, uh, within the app, um, you can make it social. You can uh, do a lot of more uh, things. You can obviously do cross-selling. You can add partners to that. So there is a great potential. But I think we don't, the, the big mistake of many startups is that they, and we talked about it yesterday, is that uh, you just try to tackle so many things you just try to make it uh, oh attractive for this and this and that at the end of the day then you're not focusing on your core product and i think that's very important yeah. but we have some uh, features in the pocket i would say so we will enhance it and we'll do it even better well we're so grateful to be part of the journey with you guys thank you for thank you. coming all this way and really really excited for the next three months and beyond thank oh, you yeah. amazing thank you yes. thanks Next, Darius Granberry, founder of League Swipe. How That's are right. you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, Nikki? Good. Welcome to Sioux Falls. Absolutely. Welcome to Falls FinTech. Thank you for having me. Trent, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. We're Good. so happy to have you here. I'm so glad this worked out. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's. I, I of course, need um, to give one shout out to something we share in common. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. We got a quarterback. We do. Justin Fields. Fields. I was so excited I they know. moved up to get Justin Fields. So. I have to, have to, have to find my way to Soldier Field this yeah. year for a game. It's a must. How are you feeling in the middle of two Bears fans, Trent? I know, man. As We're a cramped. Vikings guy. Very cramped. Cramped. Um, you anyway. like that? You like that? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> NFC is uh, NFC North, you know, reigns with the Bears win this year. Yeah. You can feel even more cramped. So. Yeah, it's better than Green Bay. <laughs> That's fair. Um, fair. Darius, it is um, such a pleasure to have you here. I I'd like to kick things off by um, giving you a quick or having you give a quick overview on what League Swipe is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, League Swipe is the only one stop digital wallet that allows you to manage all of your sports bet betting activity across all service providers within one single and secure application. Um, I'm a big time fantasy sports player, sports better. And me, like many sports fans, have their sports career spread across multiple platforms from fantasy sports to daily fantasy sports and now legalized sports betting. You have sports books popping up daily and people love betting on sports so much so they spent $4 billion in 2019 and that number jumped to over $20 billion in 2020 despite COVID, right. <laughs> despite a sports stoppage. Um, but what they don't love though, is signing on site after site, entering sensitive information, social security numbers, taking pictures of their driver's license just to get money that they already want. So our League Swipe comes to centralize and aggregate the process. Again, one stop wallet to allow you to manage all of your payment activity in one secure application. So we're seeing more of these kind of, I think with more states coming on board with legalized sports betting. We're seeing different kind of applications. Of course, cohort three, we had a, a daily fantasy sports app that kind of came through um, and they're doing a really good job. Your model is, is a lot different and you're solving the commissioner dilemma. Yeah, yeah, Talk yeah. about that part of it. I think you hit on it a little bit with the different apps, but yeah, 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 yeah. So 
I'll give you a little background on me. Yeah. I'm that guy that's in like 10 different leagues, right? <laughs> and uh, of course, because I'm an accountant, so my background, I'm a CPA, former CFO, so I have finance and accounting background. They trust so you They trust the me. I'm, uh, for better or worse, right. <laughs> I'm giving the job of chasing down my friends for league dues, trying to remember who paid, how much they paid, when they paid, you know, how they paid. So uh, several years ago, I looked up, I was in 10 different leagues and my family was growing. I was like, you know what? I got to get rid of some of these different leagues, right? But I didn't want to because each one of the leagues represented just a phase in my life, whether it was people I went to high school with, college with, play basketball with, used to work with. And I was like, this is the only time of year where we really stay in touch. So how can I maintain those relationships and do it more efficiently? And I sort of looked around and all the um, offerings out there, you know, lack of a better term, were pretty much trash. So I was like, there's a better way to do this. So um, I set out to build an application that allows you to collect, store, and transfer funds easily for your season-long fantasy play. Um, and what I discovered that there is not only do people want to manage as a commissioner their money on, uh, during season-long fantasy, but also manage money, like I said, their sports betting careers across platforms. So that's where we endeavor to build the wallet of wallets. So you have your wallet to, to manage your season-long fantasy play, but you also have that same wallet to manage your daily fantasy and your sports betting activity across platforms. That's right. One of, one of the things I, I like to tell the story, one, one of the reasons we started False Fintech, of the many reasons, was we saw an opportunity for us as we saw changes in the payments landscape and we saw the emergence of of of, of, of a lot of different types of payments. False Fintech's really been in a bit of an incubator for us to learn more about um, areas of payments that maybe we didn't have a lot of experience. We're watching the tremendous growth taking place in, in gaming, mm -hmm. um, legalized betting, mm -hmm. fantasy, uh, and, and I think League Swipe is a great example of us knowing we need to be in this space yeah. um, and using Falls Fintech to find new and emerging companies that are like, like League Swipe that, that are really tackling this. That's and right. so I, I think this is gonna be fantastic. Um, I think we're excited about it. Uh, I, think, I think it's mutually beneficial, um, yep. this relationship, because we need to be in that space. That's um, right. and, and I think you know, in the end, I think League Swipe's gonna be a great way to do it. That's awesome, that's awesome. And it now is the time. I mean, legalized sports betting is uh, accepted in 22 states plus D.C. Um, legislation is on the books in all but three states across the country. Um, so legalized sports betting is here. The numbers are in from 2020. Over $240 million were returned to state treasuries as a result of legalized sports betting. Um, so lawmakers are scrambling to push legislation through to allow for it. Um, like I said, you know, $20 billion was uh, spent in legal, uh, on legalized sports betting in 2020. Um, when you have an industry that's growing so fast, you're gonna have to have the infrastructure in place to support that growth. And that's exactly what League Swipe is doing, providing that, that, that infrastructure. Because sports fans, we, we want an immersive experience. We wanna be part of the game, but we also want a seamless, frictionless experience. And that's what League Swipe is providing, an opportunity for you to transact seamlessly across verticals within the sports industry. And we're excited about that. That's right. Leagues White will be accepted everywhere you sport. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Uh, the growth in this industry is fantastic. We're so glad to have you here. Um, this thing's going to happen. All bets are off. See what I did there? Oh, oh I like that. Do, do, I like do. that. Um, <laughs> the prototype's kind of already live in yeah, yeah. your home state of Chicago. It is. Um, some initial feedback, anything that you're finding as some aha moments as you're refining towards a full-scale market launch. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So <clears throat> we launched our prototype as a web-based version. Mm -hmm. What we learned is this is a mobile first generation, right? So we're building uh, fully native applications for our users. Um, we tried to do a lot. I'm one of those guys that try to do a lot. I tried to put, you know, messaging into the initial platform. I tried to sort of replace ESPN with with news, and my user said, No, 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 no. We don't need you to replace Bleacher Report or ESPN. Mm -hmm. We don't need you to replace, you know, text messaging on our phone. 
move money efficiently across platforms. And that's what we're doing. And that's why our partnership with Central Payments and Fall FinTech makes so much sense. Allow us to do that very seamlessly and friction with, without friction for our users. And we win. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Glad to have you here. This has been great. This will be great. This will be great. Yeah. Thanks, I look forward to it. Thank you. Assad, CEO and founder of TrueCard. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you doing? Great. Great. Welcome to Sioux Falls, Assad. Oh, thank you. We're very excited it's great to, to be here. here. The weather is awesome. You know, um, 85 degrees with the wind blowing. You know, can't beat that in summer. That's right. And home for you is North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. So a little different up here in the Midwest. It is. Less yeah. muggy, nice. I'm enjoying it. Should come back in January. It's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> now you're pushing it. <laughs> now you're pushing it. Um, Asad, give the audience just a little breakdown of um, first your quick elevator pitch on TrueCard. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, what TrueCard? Uh, we're a digital currency that's backed by uh, gold and silver. Um, you know, we have offices. We're based out of Virginia. Uh, we have offices in, uh, in North Carolina and also in India. Uh, we're actually live in India. Um, um, you know, it's going really well. Uh, Super excited about that. When you applied for Falls Fintech, first of all, how did you hear about Falls Fintech? I actually, so I was working with Visa to help, you know, to be part of the whole ecosystem. And they actually suggested that we reach out to False FinTech. Um, so it was great too. I, I had you know, no knowledge of False FinTech and a program like that existed. So it was great for me to be referred by Visa uh, to, to False FinTech. And you know, um, I think it's a great, great program, great opportunity for you know, uh, startups like TrueCard to be able to leverage the partnership and the ecosystem. Because there's a lot of ins and outs that you know, um, a startup uh, and generally you know, some of the newer founders um, are not aware of. So being able to have that guidance and expertise to be able to guide us through, you know, what it is from, you know, from a launch product alignment and getting the regulations and compliance in place because some of those mistakes can be very costly. So you want to avoid as much as possible early on. Um, so that journey is, is very, very important. So I'm, I'm glad to be part of the Fosfine Tech program. So you mentioned that you're live in India today. How, in India, the market there, um, how does it compare and contrast what you expect in the U.S. when TrueCard comes live in the U.S.? I, I think the um, in India, you know, just to give you a perspective, you know, you have about 190 million people that are unbanked, so that's 60 percent of the U.S. population, um, and that population do not have a digital footprint. They don't have bank accounts, so they have no way of really saving, right, and spending. Um, so at TrueCard, we're partnering with companies like Ebix Cash and Eco. And we also have a banking partner to onboard customers. So the idea is to give them bank accounts and also give them the option to save and grow their money by investing in assets like gold and silver and also through the banking partnership, allowing them the ability to spend in real time. Um, I think traditionally, the products that are available, whether it's here in the US or in India, are sophisticated. You know, mutual funds, stocks, like even now crypto, you know, average Joe doesn't understand, you know, but they do understand the intrinsic value of what gold and silver has to offer. So we're, we're trying to, you know, leverage that affinity um, as a way to launch. Um, so we've launched in India. I, when we look back at US, you know, which is where we're looking to launch now, we're hoping to be live, you know, uh, Q1 next year, um, is the, where, where the initial use case is the remittance market. So when we look at the remittance corridor between the US and India, that in itself is about $20 billion market. Right. So by, by leveraging tech, tech and the banking partnership and the remittance, we're hoping to tap into that market um, as a way to, to grow and expand our, our user base. So Asad, on that, talk about the genesis of um, TrueCard and how you're taking a, a legacy kind of asset and security of gold and silver and digitizing that with what you're calling TrueCoins. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. That's a good question. So, so the name of the company is TrueCard, and the digital currency we're calling it TrueCoin. Um, so they're asset backed, you know, with the gold and silver. So the way it works is that you know you have one TrueCoin that's equal to one gram of gold, and one TrueCoin silver is again, you know, the um, uh, one, one, one gram of silver, and they're tied to the London bullion market. So it carries a standard value regardless of where you are. Um, in the world, 
uh, whether you're in India, whether you're in the US, one true coin has that standard value. Um, and the way, the way we are working is that, you know, we're working with our wholesalers that actually have physical gold and silver. And what we're doing is we're, we're buying it, you know, as, um, and then we're listing it as a trustee. So TrueCard will be the trustee of the physical gold and silver. And then we're issuing tokens against those as a way of denominating the gold and silver so the users have the ability to buy as little as they want. So if you want to buy $1 worth of TrueCoin, you have the ability to do that. And I think that this is where the innovation comes into play because you know, without that innovation, without that tech advancements, we won't be able to you know, have that, you know, uh, that digital aspect of the gold and silver. Because there's no question fractional investing, um, you know, that, that has clearly caught on, especially here in the U.S. And so this, to me, feels a little bit similar to that, albeit with, with gold and silver, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. So tell me, Asad, how did you how did you come up with the idea for TrueCard? Walk walk us through your founder experience. Yeah, so I actually my, my co-founder Kamran, you know, back in 2011, um, we were at a finance conference at Harvard, and you know, and then again we're, we're mission centric. So the idea was to create a fair and equitable um, uh, way um, of creating wealth for end users. Um, and we toyed with the, you know different different notions, but the idea of having it tying back to gold and silver, um, you know, makes a lot of sense. One is simplicity, right? Second is the stability. Um, you know, simplicity. Everyone understands the intrinsic value of gold. Second is the stability. You know, we we've seen how stable gold has been for centuries, right? It is known as you know the safe haven. It's good store value, and we wanted to bring that back you know, as a way of both allowing individuals to buy, save, and grow. Um, if you look at the, the devaluation and, and inflation that we're seeing, whether it's printing money or geopolitics, right? I mean, you know, take for example, India, you know, if you had 100 rupees in 1958, now the buying power of it is 0 0.001. Correct. That's three decimal places, you know. Um, in the U.S., the impact is less, obviously, because the U.S. dollar is very stable. But but you, you do see the impact. You know, if we had a one U.S. dollar in 1970, now it's worth 14 cents. I think so over time, you know, you see that inf impact on uh, from the inflation. You know, when the stock market crashed in March 2020, you know, we saw the stocks declined. And the only asset that performed really well was gold. In fact, it went from 1,400 troy ounce to 2,100 troy ounce. So you could, it has an inverse relation, you know, to the, the market volatilities. So it, it's, a, it's a, we're not saying, you know, put all your money, invest in gold, right. but it is a, it's a, a viable option. Exactly, yeah. it's a hedge, like you said. Yeah. yeah, I love that. The model, you talked about Q1 2022 um, here in the United States. Um, between now and then, what are some of your, your goals? Where do you need to be? What are some of the things you're currently working on? Yeah, so I, I think it's really, this is where a false fintech comes into play um, because we you know there's a lot to be done from, the, you know, getting the product right, um, having, you know, the partnerships with the bank and having the partnerships with the, with the car processor, the regulations and the compliance. Um, you know, we want to be able to get all that right. And it's not, you know, it's not something you solve in weeks, right? It takes months to get that in place. Um, so you want to make sure that that foundation is set in place before we start accelerating. So I think that that's why we we're giving ourselves some additional time to make sure that that alignment and that stability um, and the compliance is in place before, you know, before we live. Because it's again, you know, the last thing we want to do is jeopardize people's money and their investments. Uh, you know, that's counter to our mission. So you want to make sure that, you know, that's that's all in place. Yeah, yeah. makes a ton of sense and really, really smart to kind of go slow to go fast, so to speak, that foundation matters. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for trusting us to be part of your journey and really looking forward to a strong partnership. Yeah, we're very excited about no, your No, no, thank you. And it's, it's uh, the pleasure, again, you know, it's a, it's a uh, you know, as a, as a founder, you know, it's a big relief to have someone that has experience and expertise, whether it's banking, whether it's payments, and you know, compliance. I, I keep mentioning compliance because I think it is a big, it's a big hurdle. Uh, you know, especially someone that hasn't been around the block, you know, for long. You know, it's it's it, there's a lot to do around it. Yeah. So thank you um, for accepting True Card into the program. Excited to be here in Sioux Falls. Looking forward, you know, for the next uh, several weeks of you know how this whole pans out. Cool. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. I think.
excited to introduce uh, Luke Holman from First Root. Uh, Luke, welcome, welcome so much to, to Sioux Falls. We're so glad to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for hosting me. Is this your first visit to Sioux Falls? In fact, it is, mm. and it's lovely. We yeah. hear that all the time, by it, the way. It is absolutely <laughs> lovely. I went for a little run last night. I got to go along the river and saw the parks and the people playing, so it was just, it was really homey and really warm and really nice. Super, we're glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your founder journey um, and, and tell us a little bit how the concept of First Root came to you. Yeah, it, well, it started more than a decade ago when I was looking at how large organizations manage their annual budgeting cycle, and it's garbage. You, you, you're supposed to collaborate and work with your peers until the last three months of the year, and then you just kind of fight. So we started doing participatory budgeting techniques in large organizations, and I ended up building up a software platform used by companies that would be name brands that you know, BMW, Salesforce, Cisco, eBay, Transamerica, uh, PayU, Naspers, all these global companies who have these distributed teams managing um, billions of dollars of portfolio spend. And we saw how well these techniques worked. So then we started doing them with cities, um, San Jose, um, uh, Lublin, Poland, Edinburgh, Scotland, and then we started doing that with schools, and I kind of got hooked on what happened when we would give kids money to manage and support them in making a, a thoughtful decision. Uh, we saw them learning really critical concepts of financial literacy, a lot of the basics, uh, just budgeting and how much something costs and what insurance is, because now you have a reason to talk sure. about insurance. And also civic engagement. Uh, if we're gonna make a choice in the school, is this choice going to benefit everyone in the school or is it going to benefit a subset of the students? And sometimes that's a conscious choice that we want to benefit a subset of the students. So long story short, I sold the last company, which was great, good outcome for our everyone, uh, the investors and, and the employees. And it was a shared decision, like we actually, came together as a team and I'm like, okay, we have this really nice offer to sell. Do we want to sell? And we're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good place. We all wanted to sell and do that. I completed my integration tasks and you know, when you're yeah. an entrepreneur, it's what you do. Yeah. What's, what's the next challenge? <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. the next challenge? And, uh, That's fantastic. Yeah. The, you're probably, I would go so far as to say one of the most unique companies that's in this cohort, if not many cohorts, because it's not about just building a payment product, but talk about the, the whole vision. Uh, that might be a hard thing to, to describe, but First Root is, is leveraging legacy work in other countries with participatory budgeting, but to solve so many cyclical challenges in our economy here in the US. Yeah, I think, I think the, the idea of the payment product, it didn't come to us initially because we were trying to solve the problem of participatory budgeting. So the question that's unasked that we should ask is like, where does the money come from? Like if we're gonna give money to the kids, where does it come from? Well, it comes from a variety of sources. So principals all have discretionary funds. Uh, uh, there's philanthropic foundations who care about uh, either financial literacy or civics or both. There's PTAs and PTOs. There's corporate social responsibility programs. So as we started to actually go to market with our actual platform, uh, the, the market responded with, this is really great, but how do we manage these disparate sorts of funds? You know, who's, it's like, who's on first? Right. And they actually came to us and said, could you build a product for us? And that's when we started looking around, how could we do this? And we found, um, uh, we, we found um, various backend infrastructure providers, and one of them actually referred us to you, and we were really excited to find you and uh, we missed a cohort and I thought we'd never hear from you again. And then you reached out to us again and said, hey, the next round is open, would you apply? And we were like, absolutely. And well, very thankful we yeah, did. Yeah, absolutely, it's great. Um, and I'm so glad this worked out. So I think when you hear about participatory budgeting and you think about the involvement of kids, you know, many would immediately think, Oh, how could kids be knowledgeable enough to actually budget? How, how would kids actually know the right place to spend money? And I think one of the things I've learned in the short time that I've gotten to know First Root is that mm -hmm. kids are actually, um, 
they're very smart when it comes to these things. And it's, it, this feels very empowering to them. Talk about the, the way kids, the, the mindset of kids when, when this opportunity is in front of them. Yeah, so, okay, I think we got all three agree. Like, there's no intrinsic, natural human tendency to, to budget. Absolutely. Right? Right. Okay, so you have to be taught. But, the, but what you talk about, I think, is deeper, and that is we know what we want as humans, and we also have a sense of what we need. These kids go to their schools. So when you ask them, how would you invest money in their schools, they respond brilliantly. They want to buy 3D printers. They want to buy chemistry lab equipment. They want to buy playground equipment. And who are you going to ask? The teachers? Hey, what do you need in the playground? I don't know. The teachers are going to imagine what they want. The kids know exactly what they of course. want. Um, in one school, uh, Purdue Polytechnic High School in Indianapolis, uh, one of the proposals that was submitted by multiple kids was a covered walkway and stones on exactly where it gets muddy. Really? In the winter. They're like, look, we know where it's muddy. We walk a, a different set of paths than the teachers. We need, you know, pavers here and a covered walkway here. So their environment matters to them. Uh, we see a lot of uh, school spirit um, murals and other things. We see cafeteria renovations, other kinds of things. And it's, it's very uplifting to see what the kids uh, do with the funds. Absolutely. It feels very empowering for these kids. There's a sense of, I don't want to say pride, but almost a sense of ownership to say, look, that covered walkway and that stone walkway, I was a part of that, right? They leave a legacy at their Absolutely. At their, well, at their I mean, how, how exciting is it to say Ming and Satish are going to the store with $20 and apples cost $149 a pound. How many pounds of apples can they get? I mean, we're rolling our eyes. Like, you got to yeah. be kidding me. <laughs> As opposed to, hey, you want to get a covered walkway? How much Figure does it, it cost? Mm -hmm. Did you include the total cost? I mean, uh, we use an example in our, in our teacher training. Let's say the kids were to come up with basketball nets, which one project did. Well, then all you do is to teach budgeting is, okay, how many basketball nets do you need? Where are you going to buy them? How much does each cost? Did you include shipping? Who's going to install it? Can you install it for free? All of, and as they learn those things, they develop ownership because it's not going to get done in participatory budgeting unless the kids are going to do it. So that, you know, it's not a flyby idea. If, if you want it done, great. And the payments component of this, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it brings a level of transparency to the process as well for everybody yes. that's involved, right? Is that, is that one no, of the primary I, drivers? I'm not going to name the school, but there was a very negative outcome where the students were promised money by the principal and the principal then said no. And of course, you cannot have that happen and have any possibility of trust within the process. So the really exciting, and in a sense, unintended capability that uh, Falls FinTech and Central Payments is providing is that transparency. Because we've got some screen prototypes that we've shown to the kids and we've said, now we can show you, this is the money in the program, this is what it was spent on. You can see every transaction. You can see all of this transparency. And um, Abano, in one of his TED Talks, has this great quote that transparency is the vaccine for corruption. Sure. Hmm. And, and I, we had no idea that we would have this capability working with you. And when we realized what the APIs provided and what we could do with the APIs, we were like, wait a minute. This gives us a complete record a complete transaction history. Uh, and it also gives us a new way to teach. Um, um, uh, not every outcome works well. I have a few tools in my garage that yeah. are gathering dust <laughs> and I have a few tools that are nearly worn out, right? Mm -hmm. Well, similarly, now the kids can, can get something with the money, but we can go into implementation, go to the transaction history, go to the payment history and say, okay, now that you got that, how's it working out? Did you get the right basketball nets? Right. Did you measure properly? Did you do all the things? Because there will be mistakes made. And I would rather have those mistakes made by kids in an environment where there's a teacher to help them process what happened and help them have that foundation for learning. And I think the community effect of this, what works at one school, another school will see, and all of a sudden it gets... It, it's sort viral. of, it gets very viral and, and the community aspect is the ideas that will bloom from this, I think could be really fascinating. Yeah, we have a concept of a support the next school 
So uh, what's going to be happening in our software is when you create a, a participatory budgeting cycle, it will automatically have a proposal that allocates money to another school to get it started in its cycle just to really reinforce this notion sure. of virality. Yeah, I love that. Well, thanks for trusting us to help you kind of fulfill some of this journey. And I think you guys are exactly the right fit for us missionally and obviously the output of what this is going to turn into. So congratulations. Welcome aboard. It's going to be a fun ride. Absolutely. It will be. And thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Absolutely. Luke. Well, there you have it, guys. That is a quick recap of Cohort 4. Um, coming to you here from Sioux Falls at Falls FinTech. So thanks for tuning in. Wow, these what what great companies. That's, wow is all I can say. I'm, I'm blown away every time I spend time with uh, with any of our, our startups. Uh, and I think this cohort uh, is so exciting. Yeah, the application process, of course, is always hard, but we are constantly reminded that we think we picked right. Um, and so, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, remember, we do weekly vlogs. And so FinTech Brews and News uh, will bring to you a short recap each week of the founders, their journeys, some of their highlights throughout the week as we take them through the next three months of curriculum, connections, and, of course, um, real opportunity. So until next time, I'll see you then. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of FinTech Brews and News. Keep up with all the content and cool stuff happening at Falls Fintech and Central Payments by checking out our website, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Nikki Roby. And I'm Trent Sorby. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.